Welcome to Tarvon Talks. In this episode, we're going to discuss the holiday of Samhain, its history at tarvon.net, and how we celebrate it. Also, we're joined by Alex or Alpetros from our Servant of All Committee to talk about our Servant of All focus for this month. And lastly, our new host, Finya, joins us and gives us her favorite scene from the books. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy our show. Hello, and welcome to Tarvon Talks. I'm Dahl, and I'm here with Thad, and this time we have a new host, Finya. Hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Glad that you could join us this time. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us how you got in the Wheel of Time. So my best friend, Diana, who has previously hosted on the show, actually is the one who got me into it. We were roommates in college, and she was reading these books, and she was like, Fenya, you should read them. Like, I think you'll really enjoy them. And I sped through the first, like, two and a half and then stopped and never picked it up again for, like, 10 years afterwards until finally the show was coming out. She was super excited about it. She was like, I really want someone to talk about the show with because I don't, like, I don't really have any friends who are into it or who have read all of the way through, like, please would you pick up the series again? And so I did. I started from book one and read all the way through the end and loved it this time. Like I didn't have any issues with losing interest. I was just totally, totally engrossed in the story. And that's how I discovered Wheel of Time. So how long have you been on Tarvon.net? Diana and I joined at the same time right after Jordan Con 2022. So like April, I think. And as expected, she was the one who jumped into Tarvalon.net. And I was like, okay, I might as well follow. (laughs) And it's been fun. Oh, that's great. I'm happy to have you here. Yeah, it's been great, like, joining the community and getting to know people. I mean, like, compared to a lot of people, I feel like I know very little about Wheel of Time. So I'll probably be the novice voice on this show um, asking questions. Sometimes it's great to have a new perspective because I've been talking about this for 20 years now and I feel like I sometimes don't get the same perspective that somebody that just started reading has yeah yeah I'm, I'm in the same boat with you on that one doll well it is October and that means it's spooky season so we're gonna talk about the wheel of times kind of spooky holiday I believe that it is pronounced Samhain much like the Gaelic version but it's spelled slightly different some people pronounce it Shalmain we don't get a pronunciation guide and I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about it we don't actually know a lot about it. It is the 12th day of Shaleen, Shaldeen, Shaldeen. I don't actually know how to pronounce that either. It's the 12th day of some month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the 11th month of the day. That's another word I don't know how to pronounce either. It's one of those that you always kind of, you just kind of say it in your head and you've never really said it out loud until you're talking to somebody else and you realize, Yeah. I have no idea how to pronounce this. I don't even pronounce them for the longest time. Like when I got the Nynaeve's name until I heard it pronounced, it was just mm, when I read it. Yeah, I feel like I do the same thing. Um, a lot of the names and like titles and, and everything in the book, I just kind of not mentally gloss over, but like a little bit mentally gloss over because I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce that. I know we have a glossary, but I don't want to like distract myself by looking it up. My eyes will read the letters. But my brain will not interpret anything. As you do. Yes. <laughs> my, my brain just went. Yeah. So yeah, Farid 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 Faraday calendar. 
which is slightly different than ours. They have like a 13 month calendar and this is the 11th month. But if you put it up against the Gregorian calendar, it sort of works out as be around mid to late October. So we know that in the Wheel of Time, Samhain is oriented towards children. They get cosseted and praised and given gifts. I'm reading from the glossary now. In some places, groups of children go from house to house singing songs and being rewarded with sweets. That's kind of like trick-or-treating. It's kind of like caroling mixed with trick-or-treating. Yeah, it's like caroling mixed with trick-or-treating, or you have that little sing-songy rhyme, the trick-or-treat, smell my feet, or something like that. Yeah. So, like... I think it's sort of a mix of caroling and trick-or-treating since it falls in the October time frame. It really does match up with our idea of Halloween. I have a question which you may or may not know the answer to. Where in the books do they talk about Shalman? They don't really. I think we see it in the big white book. I think that's where I read it as well. Because when you guys first brought it up, I was like, I have no idea what this is in relation to the series. There are several festivals mentioned that are only just briefly brought up. I just got the Big White Book out. Okay, it is in the Big White Book. I found it. And it's exactly what I just read. I don't know if it's in the glossary. I think it's in the glossary. It's just a, a, a few sentences of, you know, children getting praise, going house to house, caroling, so on, so forth and so forth. They probably just took the info from the Big White Book and put it into the glossary. So I guess the question is, how did the site really get into celebrating Shaman every year if it's kind of tetrarily mentioned in the books. It's never really touched on. Character probably talked about it in passing once or twice, or more than one character mentioned it. Because, you know, the entirety of the series only takes place over the course of a few years at best. So only like a couple of Shaman Pass or Samhain, however you say it. I don't know how we started celebrating on the site exactly. I, I don't know um, whose idea it was. I know that like very early on, we started celebrating just as a chance to goof off and do things we wouldn't normally. And that became, because it was so close to Halloween, it became our Halloween celebration where everybody was allowed to change their avatars. And then we started doing competitions for themes and people would come up with games and stuff for people to play on the forums. That's been going on for a pretty long time. I think on the site, it's been going on since, I think, the first or second year of inception of the site, because according to our library, it dates back as far as 2003. Yeah, I don't remember not doing it. It wasn't quite as big as it is now, not as organized. And it sounds like nowadays it's a pretty big community building activity, right? Yeah, I think a lot of the various holidays and stuff become a chance to get people out of their shells and interact with other groups that they wouldn't normally interact with, and a little bit of friendly competition. Or maybe not so friendly smokes. <laughs> <laughs> not not talking is a, a brown that gets very um, competitive at times. So like what kind of um, competition is involved? So over the years, there have been different things. There's all, like they'll have trivia competitions. Back in IRC days, it was using a trivia bot in IRC. And I think they do it in Discord now. Every community group will... They'll make a thread in a special form that is put forward to the public every year for Zoane or Beltine or I don't think we do anything for Feast of Lights anymore. For example, last year there was a group theme contest or logic puzzles. There was a boasting contest, a clue game, a digital escape room, and a writing contest. Every community group has their theme and everybody votes for the best group theme. You also get team with the most points. 
someone will get the spirit of Sawain, and then I believe there is an award for the team because we also have a team that kind of organizes everything for everybody to do because it would be really hard to do if it was just kind of everybody on their own for this thing. So we have our outreach team, and people can apply to join up and help organize said event and help get all the community groups to do their uh, themes and uh, events and such. So they are the real rock stars. Yeah, they really are. And they do stuff all year to try and keep people engaged. And they do a really good job of it. Let's just touch on last year's theme. It was, I believe, the Trollic Bands mashup. Kind of like a Trollic fist with a twist. And the group I was in, we did Tinker Trollics. Let's run through last year's themes. Usually it goes by community groups, so, you know, all of the Ajas and all of the companies. But I think for Sawain specifically, we just broke everybody up into four teams. So in team one, we had the Babak Garshin, cute or stealthy, always deadly. <laughs> and then we had the tra la 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 lalix And then another one was Trollix at the Disco. And team four was Trollix Zombies, the Nombies. <laughs> Those are all great. The team I was in, the Tinker uh, Trollix, we were the tra la la lalix each team gets their own private forum that they can, you know, talk to each other in to organize. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Last year, I think two of us basically edited the avatars for everybody else in the group. That sounds like a lot of work. It's not as much as you would think. It was like, find a picture of a human-esque creature and we just kind of inverted some colors on it or or drew some stuff over it. You know, very simple stuff. But um, Trollocs at the Disco were the, uh, were the winners of uh, Sawain 2021. I didn't realize they had sectioned people off. Yeah, I think it was the first time that they did it because at Beltine earlier in the year, every community group was in their own thing. That's a whole different discussion, though, because Beltine is definitely way more celebrated than anything else on the site. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Beltine's the big festival because it's the one we know the most about. Not just two sentences in the um, Big White Book and Companion Guide. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's really cool. I, I hate that I missed it. We're gearing up right now for the new one. So be sure to uh, get yourself involved. Can you talk a little bit about what the theme for this year is? Do you know? I don't know if they've technically announced it yet. I think the team that I've been assigned to, we're saying something about cryptids. Oh, yeah. But I haven't actually been paying that much attention to the planning, I have to admit. So I'm a little bit behind. I think they're doing it by community group again. I think they're putting it out in teams again this year. I think it's junior members and citizens, at least as one team. I only got assigned to one of the teams today, and I think it's the unaffiliated. I think it's community groups and then the people who aren't in one of the Ajas or something have been assigned to a group. Yeah. For anyone who is not familiar with Tarvalon.net, first you join as a guest and then you can apply to be a citizen of Tarvalon.net, which gives you a full membership after you've been here a while and you find people that sponsor you to join the tower, where you can either go down the path to become an Aes Sedai or you can become a, a guiding. You go through the steps of being a novice or a recruit and then soldier or accepted. And then we have divided our warders into four companies that we made up a long time ago just to give the people who don't want to be high Sedai a group to identify with. And I'm not going to pronounce all the names. Maybe we'll go over that in another episode. <laughs> that's, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> and I can practice it. So whenever we're talking about that, that's what we mean by community groups. So it's the seven Ajas and four company groups. And then 
citizens, novices, recruits, accepted and soldiers. And unaffiliated senior members who've retired from their group or don't feel they fit into any of the others. One year, the Browns, we always joke about how getting the Browns to do anything as a group is like herding cats. And I had just been raised the head of Brown for, it's like an 18-month term. So I was the cat wrangler, and all the Browns dressed up as cats and just ran around doing whatever they wanted. And I would go around trying to tell them to do things. It was hilarious. I'm pretty sure we won that year. But I had taken my avatar, and somebody put a cowboy hat on it, and I had to put a lasso on it. And <laughs> so I was just running around trying to wrangle the Browns, and yeah, I didn't have a very good time of it. <laughs> sounds about right. Mm -hmm. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Except when it comes to the spamathon. Oh, oh, shush. The spamathon. Have they retired the spamathon? It's been retired as far as I'm aware. Thank God. <laughs> for, for the um, uninitiated, what is the spamathon? It was a competition. It was to see who could post the most in a thread within like a 48 hour period or something like that. So, like, you would put two teams together and the winner advanced until you get to the last two teams that beat everybody else. Yeah, the, the rules were basically you couldn't post twice in a row. You personally couldn't post twice in a row. You would have to wait for anybody else to post after you. And there was a theme to every round. So you had to adhere to the theme of the round, like every sentence must contain a rhyme or something like that. Yeah, and it had to be like full sentences and stuff. And it couldn't be, obviously you were going for low effort posts. One of the first spamathons that I did, I don't think I got a lot of sleep that day. Mm -mm. Okay, so that's actually a lot more involved than I was thinking. Like, I was imagining you just spam the boards with, like, GIFs, random GIFs. <laughs> oh, if they, if, they, if they allowed that, th there would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. And, yeah, I was a little um, surprised such a thing would happen because it would be very hard to keep track of. It was. Yeah. There's a reason there's all kinds of rules because people were posting, like, one, two, three. Like I said, the Browns have a tendency to get... Carried away. Yeah, we get carried away. We get very competitive when we're focused. The first one that I did, I had to count the brown versus whoever it was thread. And I'm sorry. It was it was a nightmare. <laughs> there were probably thousands of posts. There were thousands yeah. of posts. And of course, being browns, we had developed a method so that we just basically could have like people posting constantly. And uh, it was not good. <laughs> I take it you guys won then. Yes. They won a lot. <laughs> they won a lot. I don't I don't remember. Did somebody actually beat us the one, one year? One year, I think so. But usually Brown was always the winner of the mm -hmm. Spamathon. When we participated, but it always. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was like, mm, nobody has time. I'm not into it this year. And then, thank God they retired it because I don't think I could do it again. It got really, it got really competitive. I think one of the last years they did it, it was hitting like 300 pages. Mm -hmm. So just 20 times 300, and that's the amount of Another posts. community group decided they were going to take us down, and we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. A quick editing note. Since we recorded this, they have announced that they are doing Spamathon again this year. Good luck to everybody who decides to participate. I, for one, will be sitting it out this year. And then another year, and I don't remember if this was for Salween or something else, but was a pirate team and they had a scavenger hunt. We had to go around the different parts of the site and do pirate things, including one time we jumped into the IRC channel and had to get people, uh, so many people to post like piratey stuff and then take a screenshot of it. 
I was looking through uh, the library, and one year they did an actual costume contest where you had to dress up in something and submit it. Oh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, that one was from 2011. So there were actually four separate costume contests held that year. And there was a like a children's division, a cute division, a scary division, and a wheel of time division. Are there still, um, I'm assuming that like contestants posted these pictures somewhere. Are they still up on the forum somewhere? Yeah, if you go and look at the Sawain 2011 wiki entry for the library, you can see the winners of each of the divisions. Oh, neat. Can you also see winners for other competitions like the Spamathon or... Oh, yeah. That that stuff usually gets logged every year. They're pretty good about updating the library for that kind of stuff. Yeah, the more recent years. Yeah. Like, the further back you get, the less detailed. Yeah, the, the less. But if, if you go with the last five to seven years, there's going to be a, a litany of information for every year, basically. I'll have to check it out and see what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun to do, and it takes very little commitment from your half. Just show up once a day, do some stuff, have some fun, get to know other people on the site. That's really the crux of it, is just to get you to talk to other people, because as with any social club kind of aspect, you generally will tend to fall in with a circle of people and not really talk much outside of that. So these bi-yearly, tri-yearly, however many we do now. We do Bell Time, definitely. We do uh, Sawain, definitely. I can't remember if we do any of the others anymore, but these are great ways to get to know other people in the community. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like one of the things that I've really enjoyed about participating in the Tarvalon.net community is like just how many opportunities there are to to meet people outside of like the little circle of, of people that I interact with most. So not that that's specific to the Sawain celebrations necessarily, but um, that is another uh, just aspect of it that as a newcomer to the site, I really appreciate. Yeah, we're a friendly bunch. You are. I love it. <laughs> we're all just a bunch of nerds and we're happy to have people who want to talk about the same things we've talked about for 20 years. So, <laughs> I, You know what? I, I will... I will always say this. If you want to talk Wheel of Time, I will sit down and talk Wheel of Time with you. I am always game to talk this. That's why I'm here. Each month at Tarvalon.net, we like to pick a focus for our Servant of All program. Today, I'm joined by Alexer Alpetros. He is a member of our Servant of All committee, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about our Servant of All team and this month's focus. Welcome, Alexer. Can you tell us what the focus is for October and maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the Servant of All Committee? All right. I'll try and control my marine saltiness and not swear too much, but you do have editing capability. Yeah, I can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how we kind of structure it, and of course, this is just us. It can be done any way possible, but normally whoever's doing it will collect up information and then each week do a, an info dump that's also reflected in the Tarvalon social media pages or, or platforms. So if you're not on Tarvalon Net Instagram yet, go out and do it or their Facebook page. You can find the stuff there too. And so like once a week, so you'll get like four little dumps and four different focuses. In addition, we also try and do a movie somewhat related to it. This month, we're doing Peanut Butter Falcon 
mean, it's a great movie. I'll be honest, as always, I haven't seen it. It's on my long list of movies that I want to see. And the main character or one of the main characters in the movie has Down syndrome. And of course, then the movie explores a lot of the issues around Down syndrome. So that's kind of the structure that we use, you know, an info dump a week and then maybe a couple movies that somewhat reflect the theme for the month. That's really cool. Is there anything specific about this month that you want to spread more awareness about? I can only speak from my experiences. And of course, I'm a jarhead, so I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. You know, I like to eat crayons and that sort of stuff. And when I first had to deal with my nephew who has Down syndrome, like he was very uncomfortable for me. And I remember like he would come over and I'd be like, oh man, I don't want to have to deal with this. And uh, she who must be obeyed, aka my gorgeous bride, you know, slapped me upside the head a couple of times as she's wont to do. And she said, hey, you, you got to, you know, pull your head out of your back pocket and reconsider this. And, and so it's funny. My, so my nephew's name is Timothy. And I actually don't call him Timothy. I call him Timmy Tim Tim. Um, and so I was like, you know, I'm just kind of being a jerk. I need to open up my heart a little bit to this. And so I did. But I didn't know how to address him because they behave differently, they think differently, they react differently. And so it was like walking into a lion's den. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And so I started taking the time that every time I would see him, I would uh, scream, Timmy, Tim, Tim. And I would go up and I would get really close and pretend like I was going to hug him and wait for him to come to me, right? Because sometimes they don't want the hugs. And it was interesting because like he just totally like accepted me. And it was like he knew that I was uncomfortable, but that I was trying to make the effort. At the time, he was just an eight-year-old boy. I mean, I just treated him like that. And I deal a lot with scouts, so I'm used to working with young people. And so that's what we did. And I would always take the time, whether it was to read a book or play Legos, or just get on the ground with him. Anyway, cut the long story short, uh, we developed this just beautiful relationship. And he's actually developed, right? Like, surprise, surprise, like a normal human being. I hate to say it that way, but right? Like, we all grow up and we all develop, and he has too. And he's gained greater capabilities, greater articulation, greater mobility. And I just initially saw this handicapped person that I couldn't deal with. And I didn't realize that this was a growing, changing human. And so I put up a video. If you get a chance, check it out. It's in the Servant of All Forum in the October thread on Tarvalin. He came out and we live in the mountains. So I, I took him sledding and he loved sledding. And then we took him out skiing. And, I, you know, I'm not going to say it was easy, but, you know, I've got other children. Putting my five-year-old on skis was hard as a parent. You have to be patient, right? Like you're like, oh, I want to go ski. You know, this is taking four hours to just get a ski boot on. Whatever. You know, you just relax. You go with it. You move at their pace. We got him on skis. Now he comes out. He's about 15 years old now. And he skis. <laughs> so there's a video of him. Uh, and the video is pretty adorable. I haven't gotten an updated one, but it literally is the first time where uh, where we just let him go and and he skied on his own. And if you watch the video, you know, he's just like all of us. I mean, the joy and the love that just 
billows out of him is, is what we would want for all children. So it took me changing and less him changing. <laughs> yeah. It's normal to feel awkward when you meet somebody that's different from you. But in the end, we have more in common than we have differences. And just try not to think too hard about our own awkwardness and move past it and grow. That's really well said. Thank you. And, and you have to give yourself like time to grow, right? Like, you know, the first time I decided I'm going to engage with him, you know, I was still a jerk, right? It took me time. And, and you know, as I reflect back on it, I mean, that's kind of like every relationship, right? Like the first time you meet somebody, you, you, you kind of get to know each other. You get more comfortable. You know, next thing you know, you're doing tequila shots in Miami, right? <laughs> Maybe not with your 15-year-old nephew. <laughs> <laughs> but it is cute. He is because he is a, uh, a, a 14, almost 15-year-old boy. He does have girlfriends. So that's kind of cute to see how he's starting to, to deal with that because – uh, that's a lot of hormonal changes, right? But the same thing happened with my son. Once I got past slapping a label that masked my fear, it, wow, a whole new world opened up. And uh, I, I would encourage people to, you know, move past your fear and, and find a way to the love. That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, of course. Can I make a plug? Absolutely. So, hey, Servant of All team is just one of the many teams that are at Tarvalon. About every six months, the team will open up applications, and I would encourage people to do it. It's fun to kind of put together not only the awareness months. We'll be doing a blood drive at the beginning of the year. We do a fundraiser for Tarvalon Net, right? So it's kind of nice to have Tarvalon Net. So, you know, somebody's got to help raise the money for that. So all that sort of stuff. And, and of course, it's team. It's not me. In fact, <laughs> I got thrown to the Lions because I'm like the baby on the team. And there's other people on the team who are much better that could speak to this. But, uh, but I would encourage folks when they see that application to sign up. And if you don't have the, my favorite new word, if you don't have the spoons, right? I never knew about spoons before. Oh, you've never heard of spoon theory. <laughs> I won't say how old I am. But if you don't have the spoons to be on the team, I mean, we welcome one-offs, like what Soro did, what Alara did, and Arena, God bless her, I love her to death, she just posted something on thrombosis, and that stuff's really inspiring. And I get it, people don't like to talk about the inspiring stuff that they're doing because they feel like they may be bragging or something. I, I, I mean, so I get it, I get the reluctance. But please share your stories because you might just be inspiring somebody else who's running out of spoons and needs a little spoon lift from you. All right. That's my plug. I love a spoon lift. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new phrase. I'll have to use that. Well, thank you for joining us. And um, I really enjoyed talking with you. You bet. Next month, our theme is veterans and military families. So I'm looking forward to that because we certainly have some of those lurking within the halls of Tarvalon. And I'm not going to divulge it, but we do have something really special, uh, a monthly awareness theme planned for December. So look to that, right? Look to the future. There's always hope. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll see you. In this segment, our hosts will take turns telling us about their favorite moments from the books. Please be warned that this segment may contain spoilers. If you have not finished reading the books, I suggest you stop listening now and join us next time. So I had to think about my favorite scene a little bit. I was initially thinking 
of the scene where Perrin goes back to the two rivers. And then I thought, no, there's a, a scene that I thought for me had more of an emotional impact, was more cinematic, was more memorable in general for me, which is in Knife of Dreams, book 11. It's the end of chapter 20, The Golden Crane. And in my edition of the book, the scene technically starts on page 453, but the, the bit that I'm specifically thinking about comes a little later. And this is the scene where Lan wants to go to Tarwin's Gap and Nynaeve goes and um, musters up other, like the Borderlanders to go and follow him. And I just, for most of the book, we are told that Lan and Nynaeve are like madly in love. But this was the scene where I'm like, okay, yes, I really feel that emotion that she feels for Lan. And you really see what she's doing to protect him. Like she can't go with him. You know, she can't, she can't really do much for him, but she can do this. And the way that the jeweler responds to her in that scene um, where he is like crying and, you know, like, really gung-ho to, to go and, and follow Lan. I just found that so moving. Um, that's a scene that always makes me cry. I mean, I cry at the drop of a hat, to be honest. <laughs> but that scene in particular, I find really emotional. And I did, when I was rereading the scene for this podcast, like, I did start tearing up. And I was like, oh, even Lan. Uh, you're so, so right, though. Like, when they got together, it just seemed out of the blue for me. I didn't see it. I don't think it was shown in the book. It was just sort of a, oh, oh, okay. It was always talked about, like, it was It was always mentioned, like, he's my one, he's my soulmate, but we never really see it until probably that moment. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I did, I have to say that when I was reading, I did call that they were going to be together. Maybe, although on second thought, maybe that's just because I had read the first couple of books 10 years previous I didn't remember much about them, but maybe that stuck in my head. Subconsciously, you remembered. Yeah. But for for most of the time, and I think this is true of Robert Jordan, all of the relationships that he writes, like he's not great at writing relationships. You're really told more than like shown that people are in love and you, you're like, okay, Robert Jordan, sure, if you say so. It's like the scene with him and uh, Avienda in the Sean Chan Outback, basically, when it was just like, and then the lights faded, and then you're just like, oh, yeah, they got it on. But that was all we got. Yeah. I definitely feel that Ran and Avianda at least had some buildup, unlike with Lan and Nynaeve, or even with, like, Rand and the rest of the of the triad um, quartet. The relationships just don't, they don't do it for me in general in, in this series. I love the series desperately, but... I'm not reading it for the romance. No, it's not a romance. Despite the cover, <laughs> was it Lord of Chaos? Yes, the cover of Lord of Chaos is basically Rand telling the Aes Sedai, "Kneel or be knelt." <laughs> but he's <pretty> like, <laughs> it's not open though. It is. It's got a deep. It's, it does have a deep V, yeah. And you know, Paul Paul Bialchik did that was <laughs> so good at jordan con this year that was so good that I, because it was one of the things he he told everybody close your eyes yeah and i closed my <laughs> eyes and i'm like all right what's what does he have in store for us this year and then like after like two minutes of setup the best i think i've ever seen 
from a backstage point of view, it was hilarious just watching him and Cassie just scrambling to put it up. <laughs> and everybody in the audience just going. I was one of them. I was like, I, I, you know what? He always has the wildest things for the costume contest. I'm really sad that Diana and I missed like the costume contest and missed seeing that. Next year. Um, next year. Yeah, next year. No, I'm surprised if you're not reading it for the romance. I'm surprised your favorite scene isn't a little further on. And uh, it's one of the Sanderson books, but when Rand makes the water explode around him <laughs> and um, and Elaine and wash. Do you not, do, doll, do you not remember the scene? I don't remember the scene. He basically, he basically like turns the water into mist around him. And I believe it was Elaine and basically shower them while they're standing there making out. And it turns into one of those scenes. And I'm just like, what am I reading? I don't remember this at all. <laughs> that does sound vaguely familiar now that you mention it. I, it might have been in Gathering Storm, but it could have been in Towers of Midnight as well. I don't read it for the romance. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think anybody, if you're reading it for the romance, you're reading the wrong book series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go read, um, what is it? Uh, the, those Sarah J. Moss books. A Court of... Thorns and Roses? Yeah. Yeah. There are plenty of better romance books if you want a romance book. Not Wheel of Time. <laughs> Not Wheel of Time. <laughs> but I, I do have to say, I, I do love the image of Nynaeve calling up all of these people that, you know, that lost their kingdom even before they were born for some of them. And then the Tyshar, Malkir. Super powerful. Yeah, like any anytime there's anything like that going on and, and just how she's able to just pull everybody together it's like ugh. even talking about it right now i'm getting chills yeah it, it's honestly i think for me it's one of the best scenes in the entire series i mean of course that's why i chose it as, as my favorite but it it just it has so much power to it in a way that some of the rest of the books don't always get to it's a fantastic scene like you know how hard it had to have been for her to let him go knowing that it was almost certain death mm -hmm. and knowing that she wasn't going to be able to stop him and the way Nynaeve is with control and that she let that, but she wasn't going to let him go alone. And I think that's another thing that I really love because you can see her kind of grapple with what she wants to do versus what she needs to do, what her duty is. It's just more of her arc of being able to let go and trust yeah like you can really see how she's matured from the start of the series yeah i think my first read through i wasn't always the most kind in my opinion of Nynaeve because i didn't recognize what her arc was being a very young woman who took over a very large responsibility at a young age and the way that she held herself and tried to prove herself over and over again and finally being able to let go of it and just trust that she was going to be able to do the job that she was called to do. And it didn't matter what anybody thought. And just letting what is be such a powerful arc that in subsequent rereads, I was like, okay, so maybe she's not as annoying as I thought she was. <laughs> I, I, would, I would argue outside of Ranch, she has probably one of the most important arcs of the entire series. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Michael Livingston was saying in her interview with him about how Nynaeve was there from the beginning, like when it was just a spark in Robert Jordan's mind, like Nynaeve was there and she was so important to the arc. 
and I didn't always catch it the first time through. But you can't help but get so frustrated with her in the middle books. Like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, but that you could say that about pretty much every single character. Yes. At all points. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Nynaeve is not unique in, in that respect. Oh, absolutely not. But there are some decisions that she makes that you're just like, oh my God, what are you doing? But it, it comes from the perspective of, I've read this series like a dozen times, so I know it's coming. But on that first reread, I think I was, you know, more accepting of it. But now I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. For me, I felt like Nynaeve's decisions, even if they were stupid, even if I was like, Nynaeve, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is the wrong decision to make entirely. Do something else. They at least were internally consistent with her character. Uh, yes, yes. And I could see how she got to that decision. And I can't always say that for all of the other characters. Like, you know, sometimes Rand is making decisions and I'm like, I, I don't know how you got here. This is this is just, you know, I can think of like a dozen different reasons why. And then for Egwene, it's always what would Gawain think? <laughs> <laughs> well, for Rand, he's got multiple people in his head. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's it's understandable. Basically, for everyone, it's understandable. Yeah. For me personally, like for Nynaeve, I could respect the process that took her to that decision even if i disagreed with the decision more than i could in some other cases yeah yeah i struggled with matt for the longest time until i realized that he was the unreliable narrator even within his own head it wasn't until that i realized that i think it was in the last book i'm like oh he's saying these things but he doesn't really believe them because i was just so convinced that he really thought these things and he did the opposite i'm like this is just so inconsistent i don't get it and it wasn't until i had that breakthrough that i was like oh now i understand matt oh you get it you get it i get it now matt was honestly he was the, the reason why i stopped reading <laughs> the first time i totally get it mm -hmm. i totally yeah. get it i get it diana kept saying he's my favorite character like he's great you'll love him i promise just continue reading this was a snark too much for you i i love snark but it was when he took the dagger like i got so frustrated by him taking the dagger like i get you know shiny ooh, pretty but that was a decision where i just could not understand why he had done it and I got so frustrated by it and by the consequences of those actions that I eventually stopped reading. Actually, that's something that I think that the TV show did well is give him more of a motivation to take the dagger because he is trying to care for his sisters and, you know, he's grown up really, really poor. And that I could kind of understand, whereas Bookmat is just hey, this is a pretty thing. I'm going to take it, even though everyone has told me not to, and even though bad things are obviously going to happen when I do. And He's a twerp. Yeah, yeah. he is a twerp. Yeah. I mean, Diana was right. I did come to like him, but I had a really hard time with him in the beginning. Me too. And you're right. I think that is one thing that the everybody's like, well, they changed Matt so much. I'm like, good. <laughs> he needed that change. He needed it. Because otherwise, he's just a dick. Exactly. <laughs> Like, okay, he's a, he's a dick, but he's a dick because he's hurting and he has duties back home and he wants to take care of his people. That's more understandable than shiny. Yeah, 100%. We got so off topic. <laughs> I always imagine in the books, compared to the TV show, that he saw he was just like, ah, it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. I don't believe you. Yeah, that was the attitude that drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. And then in his head, he was just like, well, I'm not going to do these things. And then he does them. And I'm just like, 
Why are you doing it? Oh, I just wanted to strangle him. This is why Nynaeve is a powerful character. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> her decisions, her bad decisions make sense. She frustrated me, but I didn't hate her at any point. I just stopped tugging on your stupid braid. I think that some of the reason why Nynaeve is so jarring as a character is because we get so many tugging on her braids. Because if you take that away, sure, she still has some frustrating aspects, but she's not that bad. She's got sniffing. Okay, so if you if you take away the sniffing, too. I think that just about wraps up everything we had for you this episode. I hope you have a very spooky Halloween, or Sawin, or Xiaomin. Yeah. However it's pronounced. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us at producertvt at gmail.com. Or you can join us in the general forum on the site in the Tarvalon Talks thread. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon.